What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 13 of the Mishmash podcast. In today's episode, I have my first repeat guest, Ms. Danny Cherick from Food Fuels Growth. Today, we're going to continue our discussion about all things nutrition, dieting, and anything in the health realm. Uh, Danny, welcome back. Thank you. So, I threw together a list of what I think of as some common myths and misconceptions. And these are things that I feel like a lot of people think about when it comes to nutrition, dieting, and all that kind of stuff. And I was hoping to kind of lean into your expertise a little bit on that. So one of the first misconceptions that I think most people have about nutrition, if especially if they're not living, you know, a, a healthy lifestyle, is that it requires like a seismic and immediate shift in their lifestyle and routines. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's necessarily true. No, not at all. And I think it's best to note that it shouldn't be like that either. Because that's how you get yourself into even worse habits than than some of the ones that you think you already have. So I think it's the best to start off slow, making small habits that are repeatable and sustainable. And then you could make additional changes, you know, moving forward over time. Absolutely. Funny enough, there, there's a band called A Perfect Circle, and they just released an album a couple of years ago called Eat the Elephant, which I thought was like a really <laughs> weird title. So I looked it up and I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase before, but it says, what's the best way to eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Oh, yes. And it's true. I mean, yes. people, please don't eat elephants. Right. But, uh, <laughs> in terms of any monumental task, I think what happens is you're so daunted by the prospect, right, of making these changes and doing something that for you at that point just feels unattainable or at least alien. It's not something Mm -hmm. that you're comfortable with. And so the best way to approach it, like I think people do, they try to do all of it all at once. And that's not how it works. I know for me, making those incremental changes was what got me to the point that I was at before I found your channel and what's helping me even now with, Mm -hmm. you know, with, with all your advice and stuff. For me, I think we've talked about the and versus or thing, how back back in the day I was an and guy. It was always, right. you know, lots of stuff. And even then, too, you just mentioned something recently when we were discussing, or, or you didn't mention it rather, but it was something you posted about trusting yourself, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. listening to your body and being true to, you know, your lifestyle. Yeah. And when I decided that I was going to stop having sweets, which was my big problem, one of my concerns was public settings, like mm-hmm. parties, weddings, whatever. Like the the first thing that happens after they cut the cake is they start handing it out, yeah. you know, and yeah, I was yeah. petrified of being judged or laughed at or whatever. But I was so committed to making those changes that mm-hmm. that outweighed my concern and even drinking too. Like I won't drink if we go out to parties and stuff. I'm very limited in what I drink, partially because of nutrition, you know, and for other reasons. Yeah. Too. And so, like, <clears throat> the way I look at it is you guys are into craft beer, too. So mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. there's a quality spectrum, right, in yeah, terms of, of beer. And so I don't want to have five Bud Lights at the open bar or whatever because of the calories. Right. Like, yeah, sure, it's, it's cheap. It's, you know, whatever. But I don't need to drink. I'm not drinking there. You know, when I drink, it's because of the flavor. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I'm weird with, like, coffee, too, right? Like, people are horrified, especially in Jersey for some reason. Like... I order it black. Like I like, oh, yeah, you know, me too. Yeah, I, I like to to taste it. And so I made it a point when I was at these parties to make that small change to say, no, I'm not going to have anything here because if I have stuff here, I still want to have stuff at home afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so then it just kind of creates this like downward spiral sort of thing, you know? Well, so let's clarify because there's a couple different roads, I think. And most people struggle with one of two things. They don't know how to make the change, so they don't know where to start, which makes it feel super overwhelming, and they just don't know how to get started or what things to change and in what order. And then other people, they want it all at once. They think they're going to get instant results, and so they cut everything out, which is worse because for most people, it's good that you can kind of say, I know myself, and I know this isn't for me, so I'm going to cut this out, but for most people... You don't need to necessarily cut it out, but this same word keeps coming up. Make a small change into say, okay, well, I know if I eat an entire piece of cake, I'm not going to feel good. It maybe it doesn't it just doesn't feel good physically for you or it might just bring you down because you're going to get down on yourself, you know, oh, I I went against my quote diet, but so have half or taste it. 
And I am a big, like, if you're a sweets person, I always say, have fruit with whatever sweet that you want, because your body doesn't know the difference between the sugar, natural sugar versus like processed sugars or added sugars. Processed sugars. Uh, yeah, added sugar, stuff like that. Your body doesn't know the difference. Sugar, sugar. So if you're going to want something sweet, have a cup of strawberries with half a piece of cake because it, it's gonna you're going to be able to take more bites and have more satisfaction out of the thing that you really want, but also kind of get what you're looking for, kind of craving. That's great advice. And I feel like it kind of harkens to what I feel is at the core of a lot of problems in general. So nutrition's one, but just like, mental health, even in, in our country, people here don't think enough critically, right? They don't really put the effort into understanding things about themselves. And so they just kind of react and do things. So for example, like people who are always on their phones or the iPads or whatever, like they're not really assessing what it is that's driving them to do it. They kind of become just like creatures of habit. And at least around here, I know there, there are a lot of like wine aficionados and there's, you know, listen, everything in moderation is great, but I, I've overheard more than a few conversations uh, with women who, you know, drink a lot of wine and eat a lot of ice cream and eat a lot of cake and stuff. And sometimes they're doing it at the same time. But like for me, if I was going to give them advice, I would say, well, maybe consider what it is that you get out of the experiences, you know, like what is it that you get out of having the cake versus the wine. And, and maybe once in a while, if you're having them both, just have one or the other and see if, you know, you're still getting that same level of satisfaction. Well, this also comes with habits. You know, sometimes it just is, you know, you open a bottle of wine every night at five o'clock, you're going to continue to do that. And then because maybe you have a little bit of that alcohol, you're looking to eat something that's not necessarily, your body wouldn't want it otherwise. So it's kind of shifting away from that, those like habitual things that you do every day and say, well, instead of opening a bottle of wine, I'm going to have a club soda. So there are small shifts and you should be able to make those changes and be comfortable. So let's say you're a big iced tea or, or soda drinker and you're looking to make either just overall like health and wellness changes, or if you're really trying to maybe lose some weight, you know, most people have a hard time taking away because you're taking something away that brings joy to you, right? So usually when I would typically work with a client, instead of taking something away, I'm going to add to it. So if you drink soda during the week, I'm going to ask you for how many sodas you drink, add in one glass of water. And if you're able to do that for an entire week and it wasn't a struggle, then we kind of move forward from there and take a look and Everyone has different goals. So maybe taking one soda away a day and replacing it with a club soda is going to work for somebody and it's going to help them kind of reach their goals, not faster, but they're okay with the fact that, okay, I took this away and I'm okay. Like I went the whole week with one last soda and I'm okay. Other people kind of need a more slower plan, more slower approach to kind of shifting those habits because it is hard and you could do it once or twice, but you know, there's a thing, I don't know, like, if you've heard this before, but I hear it a lot in the personal growth realm and fitness and nutrition as well. It's like, motivation is kind of BS. Have you heard that? Like, motivation kind of, it comes and goes. It's not constant. So you need consistency in order to be successful at most things. So kind of taking this shift and kind of making small changes, it is a process. And you need to be able to make small, consistent changes to kind of get to where you want to be. So I think a really important takeaway there is that there's no one-size-fits-all approach. Definitely right? not, yeah. And I think there's a lot of different psychological factors that go in. Like, I think you really need to understand your own motivations. Not motivation necessarily, but like, mm -hmm. what, is, what is it that's What's driving, driving you? What's driving you? Mm -hmm. And so it's impossible to give a roadmap, right, that works for everyone, but one of the things that I was hoping folks would get out of this conversation is at least that starting point. Mm -hmm. And you know me, I have a tendency to like parse language and stuff. It's, it's, you know, whatever, it's sort of inborn. But I think instead of using the word change, which I think scares people a lot, I think the word substitute mm -hmm. is good. I think you said that earlier. And what's great about that is that the, in my mind, the difference is change means sacrificing one thing, giving up one thing and shifting to something else. Where yeah. substitute, 
I don't know. It just has like a different vibe. Do you agree with that? Or I agree. I tend to use the word shift too, because it's not what you're doing needs to completely stop. It's just kind of shifting how you're looking at it and being able to bring in new things or substitute things to help make it more balanced for yourself. Yeah. And another one of those misconceptions that I wanted to touch on was I think people feel that living a healthier lifestyle means that they'll be forced to give up everything that they love, or at least everything that's considered bad for you. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think that should be the case. The problem is, I believe in the whole, you know, everything in moderation thing. But I think that's too much of a blanket statement where people don't understand what moderate means. You know, it's like you mentioned the soda, right? So for me, when I really started to do an analysis, a self-analysis rather, of my eating habits and stuff, I realized that I was having soda way too much. And I I knew it just in general, but Mm -hmm. I noticed that it was out of habit and it was mostly lunch, lunch and dinner, but, but lunch especially. And so I thought about it and I was like, all right, well, what is it about the soda that scratched that itch? Because I, I didn't like the idea of shifting to diet soda. Like, Oh no, that's worse for you. Exactly. Like in my mind, it's like you're swapping diabetes for cancer, right? Or, or whatever it happens to be. And I know it's kind of crass. So I didn't want to do that because I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make is they swap something that's unhealthy for something they think is healthier. And they're really just kind of putting themselves in a worse spot. But what I realized with the soda was it wasn't the sweetness. It wasn't the flavor. It wasn't any of it. It was the carbonation. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. I didn't realize it. And so, well, it it was the flavor, but not the sweetness of it. It was just, I needed something that was bubbly, cold, and had just something. And so I started to get just like the basic seltzer waters, not the ones that have, you know, added sugars and stuff, literally just, you know, orange flavor or whatever. And it was like literally an immediate change. And that was it. Like, I've never looked back. Like, the only time I have soda is Coke, and that's when there's Jack in it. That's yeah, it, you yeah, know? yeah. Just as a point from before, like, I know that drinking Jack and Cokes, like, that's my all-time favorite go-to thing. And mm-hmm. so because of that, I don't do it often. I make it, a, like, a twice-a-month thing. I save that for, it's like, the special stuff. Exactly. But not even, like, a treat. Like, a super special treat. Mm-hmm. Because a treat, you can kind of give yourself once in a while. Right. So I try to space that out for fear of bringing down the wrath of Dr. Field. <laughs> but um, I guess in keeping that, like, roadmap mentality here, what are some first steps that you might suggest for people who are looking to make just any kind of change? Like, what if someone just said, hey, I don't think I eat very healthy I see what you do on your channel. What's something that I can do to yeah. to make a change? So I, I agree with everything you said, by the way. I certainly don't promote totally restricting foods. I don't think it's a healthy mindset to kind of instill on people with this like super strict diet culture. I think you should still be able to enjoy the foods that you like. And sometimes that does mean maybe a, a healthy swap or maybe that just means having it every once in a while. But... I think the mentality is, and something I think about all the time, like, can you do this forever? Or are you going to do it for six months? And then at month seven, you're going to like totally binge hard on the bagel that you were restricting for all these months. So I say, depending on what everyone's specific needs are, you might just want to take a look and say, okay, what are my favorite foods? If you were a bagel and cream cheese every morning kind of a person, you you know, you go to Dunkin', you get like your coffee and your bagel, try getting the bagel thins, try like get your bagel, but get your bagel fixed, but in a way that is just, it's a little bit more or less calories. You can get a whole wheat kind, maybe get some veggie cream cheese in there. Like there's small changes you can make to things you love. If you're a bacon, egg and cheese person, do egg whites and turkey bacon on your bagel and and try that bagel thin out and see how that works for you. You might really enjoy that better. And it's not a total sacrifice for you to make that change, which again is small, but it's feasible for most people to do. Sure. And with the breakfast items, that's a great example to bring up because that's something that I think is like a comfort food situation, right? Like mm-hmm. that's how people start their day or whatever. And it's a great opportunity to reinforce what we said earlier. If your highlight of the day is that bagel with cream cheese, then maybe that's not where you start with the change. If you if that's what you really want 
as unhealthy as it is, then find, then now you're doing an assessment. Now you're thinking critically about it and now you can find something else. Like, so maybe that's, that's a a good, also like a precursor first step is to think about what are you doing that is good for you and may not be as good for you. And then try to find where to make that first change. Because I can tell you from experience and especially recently in, in terms of the dietary changes that I've made, good decisions lead to other good decisions. Yes. And bad decisions leads to other bad decisions. It's true. If you start your day off on a good, like if you feel really good in the morning when you first start your day and that's how, you know, you're going to make a good choice and that feels good, you're going to want to keep going. But sometimes you're having something in the morning or maybe just something just doesn't go right first thing. That kind of sets the tone. So if you can make a a healthier choice and make that shift, you're going to want to continue that. Right. And It's also, this is the thing too. I think people look at this in the sense of permanence, right? That they're giving up something forever. And like you said before, with the soda people, no one's saying at the start to give up soda forever. Mm -hmm. The hope is in the long run, it's not great for you. So you'll minimize the amount that you're having, the frequency, whatever it is. I know my brother-in-law used to have a two liter bottle of Pepsi with dinner every night. Oh, he was, but that's a whole, a whole separate thing. And that, that actually helped because I saw how gross it was to, to see that, that amount of soda going into a person. I was just like, oh, like, nah, that's, that's not for me. I think it's like, if you, if you're a big soda drinker and I'm not, so I can't relate to that, but my mother-in-law was a huge soda drinker for a really long time. And if you, I think if you cut back a soda a day, I think at the end of the year, I think it's like 30 pounds and X amount of grams of sugar. I don't know offhand, but you know, you're, you have to look at the big picture at the end of, it's not going to come off 30 pounds. isn't going to come off, you know, week one, but at, at the end of the year, you have potential to really take off a significant amount of weight based on one small change. So about that soda for something else. That just reminded me of a key thing that I started to embody early on in my change. And it was to stop, first of all, stop being so hard on yourself, which as we know, it's not easy. <laughs> not easy. Uh, but also, you know, you don't have to make lifelong changes in a day. And making a mistake, like you're going to make mistakes, no matter how good you are at making these adjustments, th- there's going to be slip ups. There's going to be times where you're going to oh. make, you know, do the wrong thing or worse, give in to a desire that you haven't given into in a long time. And for me, my way around that, because, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but in my experience, what happens is, you screw up, you do something that's bad for you, you get down on yourself. And then that leads to more difficult decisions. And I mean, bad decisions and just doing the wrong thing. And so I started to take, and this is, I'm not advocating this for anyone else. This is just what worked for me mm-hmm. was a Sunday to Saturday, Sunday to Saturday approach, like a week. I looked at it over the course of a week. Mm-hmm. If I made enough right decisions over the course of the week, I was happy. And that made it, that took some pressure off of myself that I didn't realize I was putting on myself. Yeah. And so if I made a mistake on Monday, when Tuesday came, I used that as motivation. I was like, all right, you know what? I did this yesterday. This is what I'm going to do to balance that out today. Because balance is another keyword. Mm -hmm. I feel like we should have like a a dictionary here, right? A keyword or something. Oh God, SEO. Yes. (laughs) um, But, and so I feel like people are all, they're coming into this already too hard on themselves, right? And maybe that's part of why they're doing the things that they're doing. And so you have to give yourself a little bit of leeway. And one of the shift towards diets and fad diets specifically, if Mm -hmm. that was cool. Yeah. You kind of touched on a couple of things. I have to share this woman I was working with, if that's okay. She was truly one of my best clients and she was kind of the same. Like she had gone through trying different cleanses and diets. And she had done the whole weighing your food and writing everything down, tracking everything that she was eating and nothing was really working. And she kind of felt like she was at a point where she really wanted to make some changes. And part of that was we're human beings. We're meant to enjoy life and we shouldn't have to stress out you know, if we were going on vacation or if we are going to a party or it's summer and it's barbecue season, right? Like we should be able to enjoy those things. So when working with her, she was a little skeptical about making meal prepping like a part of her life. And I worked with her to make it 
fit her schedule, fit her needs. And then when she went on vacation, she knew she was going to be bringing snacks, right? So she would bring her own snacks. She would bring stuff for herself that she really enjoyed. She wouldn't bring buttered popcorn from, you know, the movie theater, but she would bring like a specific brand that worked for her that was more healthy, had less like additives and all that stuff in it. And we would kind of review together. Okay. This is what I have coming up this weekend. I know I have like around the holidays, a cocktail party. And one of the things people, this is like a good tip that people just don't realize when you're at a cocktail party, like a lot of times you're up, you're around, you're eating unconsciously. You go through by a table, you're eating, bowl of chips are out. And I was like, okay, do yourself a favor, get a plate and put everything that you want on that plate and sit down or mingle, but with your, with your plate, don't just graze and making those small changes when approaching some of those kinds of events really helped her mindset, not even just the physical part of eating. It was just like a mental shift of like, I could still have this, but the portion size of what I'm going to have might change. And kind of similar to like not to backtrack, but when you said before, you know, what can people do? It's like I mentioned the last time we spoke, kind of taking pictures to really get an idea. And if you're looking and you're like, wow, I I could eat more vegetables. Don't take anything away from your dinner plate, but add a cup of vegetables. And, you know, you don't need to like measure specifically, like use your, you know, if you make a fist, that's like a portion size of vegetables. So do that and add it to your plate. And that is one way where you can make a small change. It's not really affecting anything. It's more like beneficial to what you're doing. That was the first change that I made after finding your channel because I was, again, I was mortified at my own laziness, right? I'm sitting here, you know, advocating, being self-analytical and thoughtful and stuff. And I was completely blinding myself to some, you know, simple changes and stuff. I'm the primary food preparer in the house, just like you are Mm -hmm. yours respectively. And so there's a little bit of pressure that comes with crafting the menu Mm -hmm. and also preparing stuff. But there were certain things where I realized that it was just out of habit. Like once in a while, let's say on Friday, we'd get pizza, Mm -hmm. right? Like as a mom, I'm sure you've had nights where you kind of just want to phone it in or you have to phone it in. Oh, you know, yeah. Because of We're big Friday night pizza people. Right. And so for me, it was always pizza. Mm-hmm. And it used to be and soda as a kid, mm-hmm. which, again, we in our last episode, we talked about the importance of, of establishing good routines and habits and stuff as a parent oh, yeah. with your kids. Mm-hmm. That's another. We, we can dive into that later. But the menu in terms of like that pizza, I realized after watching how easy it really is, like you really do an amazing job of conveying the ease of it, of just how simple it is to add, to make different decisions. And that's really what I needed to see and and sort of have modeled for me. Because again, I'm a giant child. So (laughs) this works. But um, in terms of pizza night, we started, it started out with the kids liked these like veggie tots. Because, you know, we try to stay away from like fries or whatever. And so we started with the veggie tots. But then now like we'll just open a can of of green beans. We'll Mm -hmm. have, you know, whatever. And there was no complaints from the kids. If anything, it made us less likely to go for an additional slice beyond what we were having because we were getting fuller, you know? And so, again, it's, oh man. All right, so we've got substitution, right? Substitute. (laughs) I forgot what the other word for the lexicon was, but (laughs) this one could be uh, addition. Like you can add positive things without having to take any negative things away. Oh yeah. And to go off pizza night, because we really are like, and I just want to emphasize that maybe we'll get to it, but another common misconception is that like coaches are also perfect and that's not true. I'm still a human being too. So I keep on top of myself just like I would working with clients. So we're big pizza night. We love pizza. And one of the things that has helped me and even just kind of adding that like good habits with the kids is I will plan to make a salad So I'm a small person for those listening. I'm only 5'2". So, you know, I'm small. I could eat four slices of pizza, zero problem. And I can, I just love pizza. But if I plan to have a salad with it, I'll eat slower. I'll pay more attention to the fact that, okay, I'm enjoying my slice now. I'm going to have salad. And yeah, it's going to fill me up. And then there's something about kind of more like nostalgia, making your own pizza. And there's so many different ways to do that. And the kids love that so much. And that is a really great way to 
add in vegetables or try new things or make different kinds and then you can kind of all try each other's pizza and that's really fun. Sometimes there's not always time to do it, but if you're planning and you look ahead and say, okay, Friday, we don't have anything going on. We don't need to be rushing off to baseball or basketball. Instead of ordering pizza, let's make it together. And that kind of brings in like the family side of it. Oh man, there was so much I wanted to to react to it that I'm trying to run through to make sure I get it all. (laughs) The salad aspect is, is I guess, where I'll start. And you said you're on the smaller side at 5'2". You could tell by the the fee-fi-fo-fum voice here. I'm like 6'1", 200 pounds, right? So for me, the appetite has always been sort of an issue. And that was why I never wanted to have salads for lunch because like Heather, Heather's done it for a long time. She's been doing it more recently, but through th- sporadically throughout the years, yeah. she would be like a lunch person. And for me, it was always sandwiches, always. Like mm-hmm. if I had anything else, I couldn't do it. And I would scoff at her little salad. It looked pretty, <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, looking at my giant frame, like, yeah, I, it's not going to keep me from getting hungry. And I don't know why, but like two weeks ago, I just decided to give it a go. Like, well, I know why. It was because I saw, you know, some of your your stuff. And I realized I was like, you know what? Screw it. I I was going to make tuna melts, I think. And Mm -hmm. I said, you know what? She's got the salad here. Like, I'm going to make, because I love cooking. I love experimenting in the kitchen. I love the feeling of making people happy through food, but through good food, you know, like not just like junk food. Oh, me too. And so... I decided I was like, you know what? Screw it. Like, I'm going to make a lemon vinaigrette. I'm going to throw it over this this mixed green salad. And I'm going to throw in tuna and just try it. Mm-hmm. And I was nowhere near as hungry as I thought I would be. At nowhere near, you know, like I thought literally five minutes after I was done that I was going to be clomping around on a yeah. beanstalk. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I wasn't. And it was, it was a pleasant surprise. And I don't expect that to be the same experience for everyone. But for me, that was really where that change came into play. Oh, well, because I think what uh, a lot of people think with salads is it's lettuce and carrots, like rabbit food, and it's your classic diet food, you know, a boring salad, but you really can make so many different kinds of salad and adding protein. I think too, a lot of people don't realize that protein can come from a lot of different sources, not just meat. So adding things like beans, different kinds of beans, even adding quinoa or brown rice or farro, like adding those things into your salad, kind of bulk it up a little bit. And you don't need to eat a huge, huge bowl to feel really full. You know, if you're adding all those things, plus a grilled shrimp or grilled chicken or turkey breast or all of those things combined with everything else you're adding into it really makes a big difference. And that's kind of where like the fun gets into it. Then you can mix and match dressings. And if you're meal prepping, you could make a taco salad and you're still mixing things up while keeping the base kind of the same, similar kind of ingredients. Right. And I think it's important to note too that like, I think people are afraid to make the leap and to have something new that's viewed as healthy. Like there's a commercial, I don't know how much TV you watch, but I've, I've seen it like three times in the last couple of days where I guess she was drinking like chia seeds or something, like some kind of juice thing. And she's like, I hate this. Like, and she spits it out and I, I just kind of laugh. I'm like, then why are you drinking it? Like, if you don't like it, you know, like for me, certain grains are like, I'm not as interested from a palate standpoint in certain grades, right? So yeah. you were you were kind enough to to feed the kids and, and me when we had come <laughs> over. And it was a quinoa salad. It was delicious. I loved it. It was great. I forgot about that. Dude, it was so good. But I realized too, like, I was like, okay, you know what? Like, this is so tasty. And if you were to serve it again, I would eat it. I would get seconds. But as my go-to, I realized for me, like, the grain wasn't something that like necessarily clicked with me you know what i mean like it it wasn't something that i would uh normally go to go for but i'm open to it and that's really i think the big thing is being open to trying new things one of the benefits when it comes to pizza right when it comes to salads and stuff is something that i think is incredibly incredibly important in the society that we live in because we live in well, we'll get to, to where we live in a, in a second. Mm-hmm. It's the, the idea is that we have control over the ingredients, right? So when I made that vinaigrette, it was a lemon that I bought at the store. Mm-hmm. It was Dijon mustard, which granted, you know, was processed or, or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, it was olive oil and then some spices and stuff. That was it. I didn't have to worry about carrageenan and, and you know, oh, yeah. blue purple number 40, like, or whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Because 
having that control over what you're putting into your body is, I, I think, really important because it affects people differently. And I know this is like a completely separate topic or two separate topics that we could cover at length, but like children's dietary needs, right? What, mm-hmm. what kids are getting, how much of certain things they're mm-hmm, getting, mm-hmm. especially for women, women at different stages in their lives. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's an impact on that. And so I think having agency over it is good. Now with that said, right. I don't, I don't want us to sound hypocritical. Like the kids after Halloween, you know, if they get M&Ms, they're having M&Ms. Oh, so they're yeah. having Skittles. They're not having a ton of it. My hope, truthfully, be- between the two of us and everyone listening, is that I'm hoping that as they grow, they'll kind of grow out of it and won't seek those types of things as much. But I, I don't want to make it seem like mysterious or, you know, right. whatever. Well, because that's going to lead to the opposite. You know, if you restrict, and that's, that's at least my opinion, my kind of philosophy is why we don't typically restrict. And I'm, I'm trying to use my brain power to see if there's anything like really off limits, which I don't think there is, but you know, we try to not totally cut things out because you don't want them to grow up and say, Oh my gosh, my parents never let me have soda. And now all I could do is drink soda. Cause there is this sort of like, I wasn't allowed to do it. So I'm going to do it now. So yeah, there's definitely a, a balance there and adults struggle with it in general. It's hard. So to try and Teach that to kids at a younger age is important, I think. Yeah, for sure. And this connects perfectly back to the dieting thing, I think. I am not a fan of what I consider like fad diets or craze diets. It goes back to Atkins, I think was the first one I was ever aware of. Mm-hmm. I, on a meta sort of level, I feel like they're, especially nowadays, there's a social component to it where there's a sense of community like, oh, I've gone paleo, bro. Yeah, you know, yeah like Or yeah. whatever. Like Keto's the new thing. Right. Keto's the new thing. And, and there's all these different things. And the intention, I think, is great. And I am not going to fault anybody mm-hmm. who is trying to affect positive change in their lives. Of course. Yes. But I almost feel like, and, and <clears throat> you know, I was scared to put this in that beer and fitness book that I put out because I don't have the expertise. I don't have the uh, the letters at the end of my, you know, title or whatever, <laughs> which is why I had that disclaimer at the beginning, just to, to make sure that people understood, like, uh, this isn't meant to be like medical advice, right? Right. And so my opinion is that when you diet, you are setting yourself up for failure from the get-go because dieting, in my opinion, is all about deprivation. Mm-hmm. You're cutting something out, typically something that you would benefit from having in smaller doses or whatever, mm-hmm. because in my mind... Really, the the two major, major things, or three major things, I should say, that you really should cut out almost exclusively. Trans fats are awful for you. Added processed sugars. Mm -hmm. And then, like, you know, the color stuff like if if you can't pronounce if you can't pronounce it in the ingredients probably shouldn't be eating yeah it's probably not good and so in terms of dieting it's this notion of well i'm going to give up red meat i'm going to give up this or that and the first thing i think of whenever somebody talks to me about that is in the back of my mind i'm like how long are you going to do this right you're not swearing it off for life you're doing it for a certain term or whatever and i just feel like that mentality unless you're going to bounce from diet to diet it takes so much work and so much energy to give up these things when you don't have to give up any of it. You just need to make adjustments. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on that? So immediately, diets usually, in my experience, most people want to get on one of these fad diets to lose weight, but lose it quickly. And that is, da-da, the key word is quickly. Most people want to slim down And if you exclude these certain things for X amount of time, uh, your body is going to quickly lose weight or burn the fat to get you those results. But yes, most of the time, that's not a sustainable or realistic way of life. And then what happens is people start eating less, right? They think, okay, I'm going to eat less and I'm going to lose weight. And then what happens is your body becomes so immune and used to this low calorie diet that now it's even harder to lose the weight. And people are oh, like, okay, well, you know, should I cut out more calories? But then they're really at like a dangerous level of, you know, what are they actually eating now? So you're, you're really not setting yourself up for long lasting. Not only it's not just weight loss, it's, it's health. It's your, it's your overall health. You can't live 
on a diet forever. And then what happens is when people realize, okay, this isn't sustainable and they kind of go into like this maintenance mode where, okay, maybe their calories increase or they start, you know, I wasn't eating beans. I gave up beans and then they start increasing little by little. They start to gain the weight back. And so then they go on a different diet and it's really messing up their metabolism in an unhealthy way. And it gets harder and harder every single time you restart that it gets harder and harder to lose the weight. And that's frustrating for a lot of people. So correct me if I'm wrong, but by depriving yourself of calories, right, which again, calories, if, if you think of it this way, we're all machines and the calories that we consume are the, it's the fuel that yeah. fuels us, which is a, an important factor to, to kind of keep in mind because people would never go and put regular gasoline in a Corvette or a Lamborghini, right? And they know not to put diesel fuel into, you know, a Toyota Echo or whatever. Like, it's just, you understand that there are certain types of fuels for certain types of vehicles or whatever. And so for us, like, you have to understand, like, if you're putting in bad stuff, the performance isn't going to be great. Mm -hmm. And with dieting, you're depriving yourself of stuff that you need. You're going it, at the the bad end of it. You could create some sort of nutritional deficit where, you know, whether there's like vitamin deficiencies mm -hmm. or things like that. And so that's why I, I just, I don't know, I feel bad for people who go for the diets expecting these amazing outcomes, you know, and, and I don't know. <laughs> well, it's like that they think that's their only route to take, right? It's their, it's the only starting point. Cause again, a lot of people have trouble saying, well, I want to lose weight, but where do I start? And they think, okay, well, I'll start at this diet and this is what's going to do it for me. And so they don't have another, they don't think there's another way or another starting point to shift kind of what they're, what they already have going on to make these like positive changes that really in the long run will sustain them for a long time. Right. And I think that they were using the diet as sort of a smokescreen, right? Because what they're really thinking is in some cases, obviously not all of them, it's really more about not eating. Right. Like when you think of dieting, it's about cutting back on, on what you're eating. And I hear that all the time. I won't I won't name names uh, just in case anybody's listening. But I overheard a group of women once talking about another woman who had several kids but looked great. And somebody commented and said, like, oh, wow, you know, she, she, I can't believe she said it was like a few kids by that point. She's mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, she looks amazing. And one of the other women was like, well, yeah, it's easy to look that good when you don't eat. And I was like, oh, and I just kept walking. But, you know, the, the problem is that's not necessarily what happens when you don't eat. I can tell here, like a quick testimonial. I told you this before. I probably mentioned it on here at several points. But like when I was in middle school, like I got picked on for being the fat kid and the skinny kid, <laughs> which was still, again, hilarious. But I, in that process of going from the fat kid to the healthy skinny kid, it didn't start off the right way. Like I, that's exactly what I did. I thought, well, if I eat less, then that'll help me slim down. And there was this one time, this was in conjunction with the start of my basketball love, where I was playing, you know, the, the summer after eighth grade, but before ninth grade, I played about 35 to 45 hours a week of basketball. And I remember there was this one like two or three day stretch where I may have had like two bowls of cereal or something. Mm -hmm. That was it. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget. It was like a 96 degree day. And I was there and I was like, I, I had lost a few pounds mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, this is great. And then all of a sudden I got dizzy. And the next thing I knew, one of my elementary school friends was there and was like, dude, you don't look good. And I was terrified. Like I felt the heat got to me. The, mm -hmm. the I was probably dehydrated. Like it was a really scary feeling and he wound up helping me like walk all the way home like i've never felt so sort of vulnerable and it forced me to readdress my mentality and i realized like okay not eating food is not the way to go yeah you know? yeah so when we think of like dieting right i think of it almost as like a in a corporate sense right mm -hmm. it's there there are companies behind it atkins is a great example like mm -hmm. you always see rob Lowe in those commercials yes um south beach yeah right exactly and that's on the nu the nutritional side of it but there's also like the fitness side and so you have things like beach body right where they put out a lot of these great fitness programs and there are other ones too that's just the one i think most people would know yeah it's p90x mm -hmm. or you know t25 whatever it is and I think the attraction to those types of programs 
it's almost the same attraction as a diet where it's this quick fix thing mm-hmm. in the sense that they're going to lure you in. Not not that they're trying to lure you in, but the attraction is to see these quote unquote everyday people that made these changes and stuff. And part of it is true. Part of it is definitely that they're doing the workouts and stuff. What they don't advertise as upfront is the nutritional side of it. Mm-hmm. And again, w- whether it's a company like Beachbody or one of these other ones, like they also have a nutritional component to it that is integral to getting those end results. I'm curious what your opinion is in terms of, let's say like you have a program like that where, you know, there's a fitness regimen that you're following. There's the nutritional side of it, Mm -hmm. which just as a quick aside, like my problem with it, the reason why, so I did, I completed P90X with a buddy of mine. We Mm -hmm. lost a lot of weight. It was great. I gained it all back like really quickly. And I think that's a common experience for a lot of people because like eventually you get to the 90th day, like you stop doing it. And part of why it's so popular and why it works is because people wind up buying into the full spectrum thing. Right. And I really think that's what it is. It's like not a bait and switch thing. It's like when you, you know, you're given an offer to come into a store to get a free thing or whatever, but they really want you there so that you can try to buy the TV or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think that whether it's Shakeology or other nutritional programs, what happens is they hope that when you, by the time you complete that 90, you know, 90 day uh, mm-hmm. exercise, you're also hooked on their products for mm-hmm. the nutritional side. And, and right. you know, for me, I saw that right out of the gate and I was like, nope, I'm not gonna, you know, money was tight at that point. Heather, I just got married. Like yeah. oh, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't afford to, it looked great. It yeah. looked like it was a lot of fun to do. And I think that a lot of people just associate programs like that where there are coaches, right? Mm-hmm. Or or really, you know, tra- I don't even know what the correct term would, would be for them, trainers, coaches, or whatever. I think that there's a huge difference between that and then a legitimate personal trainer, a legitimate nutrition coach like yourself. Right. What are your thoughts on the importance, say, or the differences even of what you do and like personal trainers and that kind of world? Yeah. So I think that makes perfect sense, actually, what you said. And, you know, I've, I've actually done Beachbody myself on the fitness side, and I know that some of their programs work. And I think for me, I think the difference is there's a lot of fitness programs out there. There's a lot of fitness and nutrition influencers on social media that also sell different kinds of packages. You know, you sign up for X amount of money and, you know, you get like their eight week boot camp or, you know, whatever it is. There's a lot. The the fitness industry and the nutrition industry is just flooded with different kinds of things you could buy. I think the difference though is when you sign up with Beachbody, even though you might have a coach, they're not tailoring anything specifically to you. They're following the the beach body protocol. They're kind of following the nutrition guidelines. But what you might have as nutritional needs and what your guidelines should be to reach your goals is going to be different than somebody else. And I've worked with different women who have different goals and their plan might be completely different. And the, the strategic steps that you take to get there are different. And I think that's kind of the biggest difference between something that's more of a corporate or maybe so much as like a one size fit all package is when you work with someone one-on-one, I'm really kind of tailoring things to you specifically. And that might mean like the calls are structured different for you versus somebody else. It might mean recipes or the way we talk about what your goals are is different. Um, Like nutritional, like food goals or food swaps, like all of that is kind of tailored to you. And I think that so far, most of the the people that I've worked with have a good experience on that side because it's so personal. I think that personal aspect is really what the huge difference is. And in full disclosure, right? Like I'm not looking to knock Beachbody or any corporate entity, right? But you have to be realistic about it. They're still companies at the end of the day, right? And they have financial motivations and financial goals. Now, mm-hmm. listen, I'm, I'm sure those coaches genuinely want you to succeed. They genuinely right. want every person who's trying to lose weight or to get fit yeah. or whatever it is to, to do that. But even they also have 
quotas. They have marks, numbers they have to meet. Oh, of course. It, there's a whole set. I hate sales. I mm-hmm. was in sales for a while, not not with fitness and nutrition, but I just remember I left because I was being told to sell something that I didn't believe in and I knew was wrong. Right. And that's a tough thing. And there are people like me who leave and don't come back. And there are people who stay and sell and promote things that they may not necessarily agree with or, or they know aren't 100% yeah. right. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that's the case with, again, with any of these programs. But the difference, I think, too, is like we were just talking before about music. Mm-hmm. And I picked up the guitar because in senior year of high school, I was told, uh, you know, all my honors classes, I'm, I'm acing all these things. And they were like, uh, just, you know, you're not going to graduate if you don't take a music class. And I was just like, all right, well, which of these doesn't have a performance at the end and it was guitar yeah. <laughs> and so i sat in a room with you know 30 35 other kids and i learned like the basics of the guitar but my struggles my individual things like the teacher just couldn't come to me and and help me with those you know what i mean mm-hmm. versus somebody who goes and takes music lessons drumming lessons and whatever it is whatever personal one-on-one time you get there's just more of an investment there and especially when it comes to stuff like fitness and nutrition I don't see how you couldn't be invested in that. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, because again, like I don't like to assume things, but when it comes to coaching and and individualized relationships, uh, I feel like the way those types of businesses, because they are, they're also businesses. Mm -hmm. Like unless you're doing it completely for free and it's an altruistic thing, like you need to make money too. Yeah. And you make money by having these clients and whatnot and not you specifically, but the the ephemeral you. (laughs) And so... It's just a different way where, you know, Tony Horton records this fitness video. He has no idea how many people like there are people there that are doing it with him. I'm sure he does classes and stuff, too. But the vast majority of people are buying a product that he'll never see. Whereas that's not the case with a personal fitness trainer, Mm -hmm. with a personal nutritional coach. And I think that that personal experience is what helps the business to proliferate. If you have a successful relationship with a client, number one, the referrals, I would imagine, would be like the number one oh, way yeah, of spreading yeah. business. Mm-hmm. And so you have just built in a different motivation, I think, to have that success with that person mm-hmm. versus you know these other companies where it's a, it's a little more impersonal and yeah. formal. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree completely. I think uh, by the time people get to me, which I guess ultimately isn't the goal, right? I would like people to to just kind of think, oh, you know, Danny, let me go to her. But most of the time, people have already tried all of this stuff. People have already gone through Beachbody and their products, or they've gone through, they bought a package on Instagram from a fitness influencer or a nutrition person. And most of the time, what they really need is the handholding. That's what people need. They need that kind of comforting I'm going to get you through this because they are feeling lost. And that's most of the time, that's what I find when people finally a- arrive to me is they've, they feel a little bit helpless because they've tried it all and they think it's not, nothing's going to work. And it's really not about finding like these quick fitness routines. And it's not about cutting back on everything that you're eating. It's kind of looking at the big picture and say like, what's my life like? Where are my stressors? what can I fit in? You know, time, we talked about this a little bit on the first episode is time management. So it's kind of like, I have no time to meal prep and I have no time to exercise and no one's there for you on the corporate side to kind of take that look at into your life and say what's going on and to see how they can improve it where that's where I try and help out. And that's where I am is I'm looking into your life with you to see, okay, well, where can we make the adjustments? I'm glad you said that because in a way you're as much a life coach as a nutrition coach, right? Like you're not spitting out uh, here, follow these recipes, you know, don't eat this, eat that. Like, obviously that's a component of it. But again, to, to harken back to the psychology behind eating, there's reasons that you're eating the things that you are, whether you're aware of them or not. Mm-hmm. There are external factors, right? And having that relationship, like you are so genuine with your passion for this and your enthusiasm. I can't imagine being a client of yours and not feeling seen, you know, and, and not feeling like you genuinely care for them. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're invested in them. And I think that's the difference in terms of the level of success. Now, I don't know anything statistically about the likelihood of people succeeding. I think a lot of it comes down to the individual themselves. Yes. I used to do like informal personal training fitness wise. 
And the people that I had the most success with were the ones who were intrinsically motivated. Mm-hmm. That I was just really there mm-hmm. for, you know, a couple gentle nudges here and there. The ones that I ultimately failed with were folks who wanted me, forget about the handholding, like they practically wanted me to like do the curls for them. Oh, you yeah, know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that's a challenge too in terms of clientele and whatnot. But I feel like that personal connection is really what makes it worthwhile. And hundred percent, it, it stinks because I feel like you, like you said, you know, people go about this the wrong way. They take the wrong path forward through this. They do these fad diets, right? And then that doesn't work for them. And it doesn't work for them for the same reason that a beach body fitness program and nutrition program wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. They're just not aware of the habits, the underlying psychology that's causing them to do what they do. So then by the time they get to you, it makes your job that much harder. And it's the same idea of vegetables at dinner. How many people like scoff like, oh, vegetables are gross. Well, that's a really broad stroke to take. Like You have to find yours. You exactly. Have to, you have oh, to find our, yours. That, that, that's going in the lexicon too. <laughs> I have to share, um, I have to go back to this client of mine. She's really, truly my favorite because everything you said, she was extremely motivated and she wasn't by any means a beginner. She just needed some tailoring to her scheduling. And so we started out with like some small things. Recipes were also extremely overwhelming for her. So it was very helpful for me to kind of dial down. These are some of our goals. This is what we want to hit for the week. Here are some recipes to help you do that. So we would kind of go back and forth. And in the beginning, she was so motivated. She did everything she was supposed to do. She was tired from just life, but she was able to get more workouts in because she was eating more. So she had more energy and she was losing weight and she still wasn't totally happy. And it's because she just felt like I have all this weight to lose or I want to lose all this weight and I only lost one pound. And by the end of our time working together, she kind of had this not epiphany, but I think just kind of like the gentleness and compassion for herself to say, I'm way more understanding of myself and my habit. I'm way happier knowing I can go on vacation and still live my life. And I'm, I'm losing the weight, not all of the weight. It didn't come off overnight, but she kind of had this more so of a, it's going to be okay. Like a more of a self-love kind of mentality, which when you talk about being more than a nutrition coach and more of a life coach, I think that some of those wins weren't really wins for her because she wasn't hitting that huge goal of losing the, the 10 pounds. But when you have someone who believes in you and giving you those daily little comments of, Hey, look at what you did today. Oh, three weeks ago, you were not coming home and working out three, four times a week. And you weren't fitting in all of this meal prepping, not only for you, but for your family. And somehow you're squeezing it in and you're making the time for it. That is a win in itself because now you're going to be able to carry that on, you know, one day without me. I want to be able to set up my clients for success where they don't need me for forever. And so that was a really, when you said more of you know, more than just a nutrition coach, she immediately popped into my mind because I was so proud of her to be able to take that graciousness to say, I'm doing this and I'm proud of it. And it was great. And I'm so happy for her. So one of the motivations that I had in having you on as a guest the first time was you were so generous and free with the information, right? Like, because we were just talking about the schedule. That's how all this started when we were outside of the, the, the gym. And so the motivation was I wanted people because this is a sh- like a lifelong struggle for me, right? And so I felt like your information helped me. I wanted to make sure I got it out there. Uh, I wanted to try to draw tra- traffic, drive traffic rather towards you know food fuels growth and your other channels and stuff. But there's also the business component to it too. And I would love for people who are interested or open to having you know a, a coach like you to kind of learn a little more about that. So in terms of like your clientele, what are the types of people, like how do people get in touch with you? What what are the types of people who are getting in touch with you for the services that you provide? Yeah. So I typically work with women and I typically work with, you know, busy mom who just doesn't have time to fit it all in and they want to make some changes. Sometimes it's weight loss and sometimes it's just really feeling better. So that's typically who I talk to. And a lot of people so far, my clients have been following me on Instagram 
or on Facebook for a while, or, you know, we're personal, like on my personal Facebook page, and they've seen me for years, just kind of posting things about food and nutrition. Uh, and they, they've reached out. So, you know, normally it's kind of, there's a conversation because like you, like I'm not a sales person by any means. So I'm very open to just kind of hearing about, well, what are, what are you going through? And if it's a good fit, cause I'm also not the type of coach that's going to say yes to everybody, you know, it depends on your needs. And if I think that maybe you might be better suited with someone else who focuses more on something that you're dealing with, I'm going to give you that referral. So really open to hearing and having a conversation. Normally people will reach out on social media and we kind of start chatting there and set up a phone call And then, you know, once we get into it, it's kind of a process. Like I really take the time to do like a lengthy intake form and kind of go through all the personal details around what your goals and needs and just what your life is like to kind of set up, okay, well, what would really be the best next steps? All right. So I'm going to go a little off script here. I'm going rogue for (laughs) a second, right? (laughs) So we were talking earlier. So my wife, Heather, jokes that uh, in our marriage that I'm the woman in the, in the relationship. Right. <laughs> and the first time she said that to me, I told you this earlier, my reaction was, what's that supposed to mean? So that was your answer right there. You said that you work mostly with women, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm a big experienced person. I like to get behind products, people, whatever it is, but I don't like to do it without experiencing it first. Mm-hmm. What are the odds that I could become a client on a, Even if it's like a temporary basis, just to get a better, sense of what it is that you do. And then as a, like a real time, like actual person who is experiencing these things, then I can come back and I can record sort of like a testimonial to share with people. Yeah. I would love that because to be honest, you know, again, I'm, I'm open to talking with anybody. So yeah, sometimes men will have questions about like, oh, you know, what's in this protein powder? Do you think it's a good idea for, and those kinds of questions are kind of hard to answer on the fly without really knowing more, but kind of like what you said is you found some of my stuff and just made small changes. So yeah, I think that am I incapable of working with a man to kind of tighten up some nutritional needs? Like, no, not at all. But just primarily our women are usually the ones to kind of say, first, I want to lose weight. And then, you know, once we start talking, it's kind of more of that emotional side of the realization of it's more than just the weight loss. So that's kind of where I focus. Yeah, no, no, that's cool. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Uh, it, was, it was just an idea. And especially yeah, too, I, like, I, I am a big proponent of not taking advice and expertise for free, especially like, especially stuff that's earned, right? Expertise in my mind is earned. And I know you cringe every time I, I use the, the E word, Yeah, but it's true. Like in the same way that like, you know, it's tacky to have a plumber friend over at a party and then be like, Oh, I got this leaking thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But more than that here, like, I know it's not like you've been providing these services for free. It was more just conversational, but yeah, at the same yeah. time, like at, educational at, kind of exchange of notes ex- and whatnot. Exactly. But again, I like to get behind, and, and technically you're a small business, right? And that's something oh, that yeah. I'm, I'm big into supporting. And I'm just, I've always been fascinated by that. Like, fitness, like obviously fitness coaches, it's obvious largely what they do, you mm-hmm. know, and I've got some familiarity in that regard. But the, the nutritional side of it has always been sort of a mystery to me. So I think it could be an educational experience for me too. So yeah. something we could check out. And then in terms of, you said you work with a lot of, of women. And I think that's a whole episode to itself, just in terms of like the challenges, the the changes more than anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not putting anybody on the spot, but I know there's some certain changes that are coming soon (laughs) in my household. (laughs) And so, yeah, I think that would be beneficial to people. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a lot to unpack for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not even worth dipping into (laughs) here. Um, but I want to thank you again so much for coming by the first time and for the repeat. This was an absolute blast. And I'm so hope, happy to be back. And I hope that anybody who was listening got something out of it. This was great, too, because this this felt more like a co-hosting thing than like than a guest. You know, like and, and that's what I really always shoot for. You know, I want it to be a dialogue. I want it to just be a natural conversation because yeah. I think people connect to that more. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not we're speaking to each other but we're also not talking at them. Like 100%. Yes. And I think that's important actually to highlight is, you know, there's a lot of things 
everyone's different. So there's, I have a different opinion or view about certain things. And what we didn't fully touch on is the levels of nutrition, right? So there, there are different levels and some people, you know, like I am not judging you if you are stuck in the rut of like making nuggets for your kids every night and you're like ordering takeout. It's tough. And I know that. And I think we both can kind of say on a level that there, there's a lifelong struggle with certain things and it's nothing to like be ashamed of. And I'm certainly not judging, but I'm more so like hoping you'll find something that helps you from our conversation, or at least like leads you down to the road of like exploration of, you know, what, oh, well maybe this, maybe I can get out of this, you know? So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And this is a topic that, again, what I lack in knowledge, I don't lack in passion, right? This is something I'm very passionate about, especially as a parent. I want to make sure that I'm doing the right things for my kids. And it's scary for people who struggle enough with themselves. Mm -hmm. It's tough, you know? So maybe that's a topic for another day, a future episode about maybe giving parents who are struggling sort of a roadmap. because. That, that, again, that was the first thing that I connected with. I saw your kids in the kitchen with you and was like, that's it. That's what I want. I mean, I, I was doing that already, but yeah. it was more your, your emphasis on the health aspect of it. Right. We're, yeah. We weren't making healthy. We were, well, I mean, we were making banana bread and different things, but still. Yeah. 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 But, There's like a different level. You might have been doing something that you, there was something wrong with it. You were super proud of it, but then you saw something that sparked a little bit of inspiration to say, maybe I could take this up a level and make some more changes. And not only for you, but for the kids. Exactly. And it's just like with most things in life, it is a spectrum. There are levels to it. And I think it'd be fun to explore that at some point. Yeah, definitely. So once again, my guest was Danny Cherick from Food Fuels Growth. Thanks so much for coming through again, Danny. This was such a blast. Thank you. I had the best time. And thank you to everybody listening wherever and whenever you are. 